Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week, we're diving into our last week talking about hearing God's voice. And it's kind of an interesting one, I think, because Alex starts to shift what we might have thought of as friendship with God. And he actually shifts it to this language of patronage. And that might make you squirm a little bit that uh, if God is our patron and that's what friendship means, does that mean he always is walking around with this attitude like we owe him something? And that might actually make you squirm a little bit. Um, But I want to invite you in to listen and you're going to have to find out about, uh, is he right? Do you agree with him about this? And maybe, just maybe, it's actually a more beautiful perspective of friendship than we thought initially. So let's tune in and hear about friendship and patronage and hearing God's voice. And do we owe God something? Well, hello to the Not Guys Drinking Tea podcast, (laughs) even though these guys are drinking some tea. There's a throwback for you. Should we have changed the name? It's the Red Couch Theology Podcast. (laughs) Thus, the very uncomfortable Red Couch. And um, Can we officially call it the Red Couch Theology Podcast with the guys that drink tea? <laughs> um, we could, yeah. It's just going to get longer I don't think that name actually fits in like longer. the field when you put in what you want your podcast to be called on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I like would, that's too many letters. I just wonder how long, it, how long I can complain about the comfort of this couch before someone donates a really cool red, red couch, couch. Oh man, I'd love, that would be amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want like a, you know, really fancy, comfortable, cozy, <laughs> then Alex will want to hang on to the red couch and I'll say, no. You no, you go had... back to your bad chair. <laughs> uh, I feel, uh, my fear for the red couch theology podcast with the guys drinking tea is that if the only things that don't fit in the field are tea, is tea. It would just be the Red Couch Theology podcast with the guys drinking, which sounds <laughs> like a different thing altogether. Well, we did have, we had some, some of the staff were joking that they were going to start a, a supplementary podcast called Women Girl, Drinking Wine, Watching yeah, Guys Drinking Tea. Yeah. <laughs> Women Drinking Wine, Watching Guys Drinking is so great. I, I thought that was awesome. And yeah. it probably would be better than our show. But, but it hasn't started yet. So no, that's it hasn't. So that's If they're listening, they need to go start their podcast. Yeah, you got it, a studio? They're too, too much perfectionist. Oh. I'm just really comfortable with a poorly produced podcast. <laughs> and therefore it happens, right? Absolutely. They just, they can't candle the imperfections Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. So, well, uh, I actually was not here on Sunday. I was up with my family up in the mountains. And I'm going to, I'm trying here to do i can trying to multitask and, and, it's, and it's not going well no um, it, i don't do that sort of thing so, but so it, the yeah. point is i have no idea if alex preached heresy that i was supposed to call him out on the podcast i don't know anything well that's good i kind of knew what uh, you were talking you about because yeah. we did yeah talk about it fairly extensively in the daily team yeah so, so before we get into that interestingly just little like nod to it is the first official day of lent um or the first day after Ash Wednesday. So the first day after the first day. Well, of you know what I mean. Ash Wednesday <laughs> feels like its own thing, and then it kicks off Lent, and then you're like, oh wow, now the hard work begins. There's no ashes to remind me about death and sacrifice and stuff now. Now I have to remind myself. It is um, first official week. We should probably talk about the series coming up in a little bit as well. Yeah. So so we are kicking that off. This week, it's in Jeremiah. We are a brave community of faith that are willing to embrace the book of Jeremiah in the season of Lent. Basically, we're going to have a lot of fasting, grumpy people coming to listen to grumpy texts. Um, and we're going to leave the donuts out. So um, okay. So we'll see how that goes. And we're uh, great at marketing for things like this. <laughs> wow. Grumpy so, people listening to grumpy texts. Yeah. That's if what you're it is. if you have an Eeyore type personality, you should come on down <laughs> because that's this is going to be the series so for you. I'm going to try and tigger my way through Lent. Uh, <laughs> oh with... bother! Well, I guess if we've got to talk about death, death, repentance, and sadness and mortality, then I, I guess I'll be there. I love it. That's a great Eeyore. Way to go. <laughs> I'm too much of a tigger to be able to pull off an Eeyore voice. Um, so so we will kick that off, and it's rooted in different images from Jeremiah. The fascinating thing to me with Lent is 
is it's got these streams to it that are around repentance, around um, lamentation. Yeah. Um, like even, like I say to people, when you think of Lent, think lament and repent. Like there's all, all like built into that theme uh, of those two concepts. And yet you're still invited to remember that we're Easter people. So it doesn't go away. And in actual fact, the Sundays when we come together or to worship are actually feast days. So they are supposed to be days where you get to eat donuts and you get to do all of the things that you might have given up for that season. Yeah. Um, so and this, be... is, this is the trick of us modern Protestant Christians who, who half celebrate the church calendar. We, we don't fully enter into the intent of any of the seasons. We kind of... We dip our toes in the water. We 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 wink at it, and then. But I think we're doing better than we were doing thirty years ago, where we just ignored totally. it altogether, and we were like everything. At least in the Pentecostal church, everything was a rocket ship to the moon, um, yeah. and like Easter was just the day you lit the boosters for a few extra seconds, and it went even faster. <laughs> but it was always going up. Like even on Good Friday, I remember being on a, at a Good Friday service. Um, uh, and it got to the end of the service and it had been somber and reflective and the, the assistant pastor got up and he was like, remember guys, it's Friday now, but Sunday's coming. And he led us all in like a resurrection song to finish Easter Friday, Good Friday. I'm like, you couldn't even Blue sing Bluegrass, the banjo yeah. starts playing. We were waving the tissues and everything. And so I think we've got better and we're richer for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that there's a bad, there's a wrong way to do Lent other than just ignoring it altogether. So that's coming up. This week we finished off uh, listening but to God's voice. We decided to listen for God's voice one more week. Yeah. And then no more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're done with this listening business. Oh, man. Uh, it, so it's been it's been fascinating. Like for, for a lot of people in the community, the fun story for me is been hearing people talk about their experience of it um, and just the the ways that God has spoken to them either gently in reminders or profoundly in, in a moving in, in direction. And, and I think there's probably more stories to come. I know there's more stories to come in actual fact. Um, yeah. So, so we were left for those of you that haven't tracked with it for whatever reason, we, we started off with just the premise of God speaks to everybody uh, or, or, or anybody's in line for that. It's not... Yeah, who does who does God speak to? Yeah, it's not that like the sacred man is the only person that gets to hear that word. And then Yvonne led us in week two, which was more practical around how... How slash she cheated. She, she said, how slash why aren't we hearing? Yeah, 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 like that, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, like, so, so that nudged us a little further along and started to open up some of the, the sense of, okay, God, what might you be saying? And so, so this week, the the focus was really on why, because I think there's a possibility that when you talk about something like listening to God's voice, your premise actually becomes like, this is my cheat code for life. Um, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my house and I'm gonna say, God, which way should I drive to work? Because I don't want to get stuck in traffic jam. Uh, and God's going to say, Broadway's blocked up, baby. You need to go down university. This guy um, call you baby. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he does sometimes, especially when I'm being one. Um, uh, but but that like... <laughs> that All right, we're tired. We just came back from staff retreat. And we're both, I'm a, at least I'm really tired, so I'm a little loopy. I apologize. This, That's fine. That's we could just cancel this whole episode. <laughs> no, we're going to get some good. You don't need to worry about that. Um, so, so that like that that premise of is that all it is? I want to know the best house to buy. Like God, tell me when this person's selling their house so I can buy it. Give me like the first in on the details. Um, or which degree program should I choose? Yeah, and like oh, I could go this direction. I could go that way. Which city should I live in? Live in? Should I take this job or this job? Should I marry this person or this person? Yeah. Now, now all of those questions that we talked about. They, they can have a premise in healthy listening. Um, I, I'm not saying that, that God's goal is for us to be distinctly unhappy, but, but my, my, my sense is that God's, that listening well to God is tied to a couple of things. Um, and one is that it's, it's for his kingdom. Like, like there's, there's so much of his guiding 
that is based on us being able to live the best life within his corporate good kingdom. Um, and it's tied to obedience. Like, so someone actually came up to me after the first service and said, I feel like obedience is really um, tied to God's voice. And we've talked about this. I mean, yeah. you've said, said this at different points we on this about podcast. last week on the episode, like what you say and tend to obey. Yeah. Kind of that posture of obedience, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so almost like it seems the more you listen and obey, the more he speaks or the more he can trust you with the things that he's asking you to. There seems like there's a, a trust relationship there that we'll get to in a second because I think some of the language in this is fascinating. Um, and so... Well, well, what did you tell him? Said, Are you finishing the I said, story? Yeah. I said, yeah. We'll, we'll, go, we'll get back to it. I, I said, yes, of course it is. Because as I just said, I, I think it's, it's tied to like the kingdom and a corporate world you're invited to be a part of and a need to be obedient to what he says. Um, so I think cause we're individual as Christians in the West yeah. and m most of our listening is tied to, I want a better life. Um, even a better life with God. Whereas the, the rest of the world sees Christianity as a far more corporate thing. So their, their questions are more like, how can I participate well in your community of faith? Um, and so imagining a world where a load of individual followers of Jesus say, God, how can I participate in your world and community today, this week? It is so compelling to me. I'm like, that, that just excites the hell out of me. I'm like, that yeah. would be great. Like, there's this illustration I think of when it comes to hearing God's voice that's helpful to me, and it's it's probably an illustration that won't work that much longer because it has to do with old radios. Uh -huh. When you're, like, dialing yeah. in the frequency of an old radio, which... Um, Manual tree. If, if you're if you're much younger than than we are, you're like, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> Just pull up the satellite channel There's and a be done. Station for that. Yeah. So, but it, you, you're turning that dial, and if it's an old radio, you're sort of which we actually used in the bumper video. We caught that sound like in the, yes a bumper video one. But I think um, so. The the premise for that is those signals. Or in this scenario, God's voice is speaking constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's communicating to his people and to you. He's got radio frequencies traveling through the air to your soul mm -hmm. all the time. But obedience is like locking in the dial to be able to hear the Absolutely. kinds of things. So it's not that he doesn't speak to you necessarily all the time. It's just you don't, you're not tuned totally. into the right frequency. Yeah. To hear his voice and therefore you're like, he's not speaking to me. Well, meanwhile, you're like, I have no interest in actually hearing anything he was saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the, yeah. The, the, so this is where I think there's a, there's a, like a slight danger. And I'm, I'm not sure I got this across super well on Sunday. Um, so fortunately we have this to get this across really well. <laughs> My actual feeling is that tuning into that radio station to getting that frequency is that a lot of what you hear when you're tuned in is you are loved. You're okay. I'm with you. A lot of it is affirmation. Uh, and that the, some of the time it's huh. do this specific thing. This is a thing to obey. Like the difference between the express will of God in a moment and the permissive will of God of, you know how to live. You, you know what I've called you to be. Like, keep doing that. John Wesley yeah. phrased it as go into all the world and do all the good you can in all the ways you can for as long as possible as, as you possibly can. Uh, so so there's, there's a load of permission to just to just yeah. obey. And, and so I'm not sure it's helpful to think of that whole way of listening as I'm just going to get constant instructions all day. That actually sounds monotonous. If I live in relationship with my wife and she just gives me instructions all day, like that's just called Saturday. No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> she doesn't oh, do that wow. much uh, at all. Uh, Fortunately, she's on a plane right now, so she can't even listen. <laughs> the, the, the the problem is, I laughed because it feels <laughs> familiar. No. So so uh, that but like I mean, you can handle it for a day, right? But if that's your whole life, oh yeah, now do this. Oh yeah, now do this. Oh yeah, now do this. Well, that's no way to live, and it's not what God's called us to. Uh, so I think that tuning in is a lot of, yep, yeah, you're okay. I love you. I know that that didn't go as well as you wanted. I love you. Um, I know you're excited about this and I'm excited with you. 
And I, like, so I think like making yeah. sure we're, we're tuned into that. Uh, and then finally, before we get to this text that we'll look at, I kind of pitched this idea that any formation activity in the way of Jesus, any aspect of what he calls to, but maybe specifically this or particularly this, uh, requires a progression of new, normal, and natural. Like anytime you do something for the first time, it has a newness to it. Mm. And eventually after a while of doing it, it, there's more normality. And then eventually there's, there's a naturalness. So I, my, my illustration for that on Sunday was, um, I grew up with a soccer ball at my feet. So I don't remember new with a soccer ball. I don't remember the first time I kicked one. Um, and so by the time I was four or five, it was, it was normal. And then there was training, then there was participation in team, uh, in, in games, and it became natural. Um, now there's people that have another level of natural to what I have, they're experts, <laughs> but, but it is at least like, I don't think about it. And then about 25, someone handed me a football, American football, uh, and throwing that for the first time was like, how do you do this thing? I'm actually stood there with a guy. I'm like this, just like, am I supposed to flick my wrist? Am I supposed to like try and spin it? Is it, does it spin itself? Like what's the, how do you get that beautiful spiral that you're throwing for 60 yards? And I'm struggling to throw for 16 yards and it's wobbling all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and so all the joy I had in watching American guys kick soccer balls for the first time was lost as I tried to throw a football for the first time. And yet, like after a while, okay, it starts to become normal, but I'll probably never be natural at it, possibly because I just don't care enough. Yeah. Um, and so I'll never be the guy that just drops back. And, and I used to play pickup football with students, with a guy who uh, was going to get drafted. His brother played for the Patriots. He was going to get drafted really Pick high. Pickup American draft. football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Blew okay. out his knee and, and never played again. And watching him like catch a ball and throw a ball, I was like, you're not even thinking about this, are you? Like this to me is, this to you is just like, it's like breathing. Um, and so I think when you think about living in the way of Jesus, you, you find, you get, you're invited to live a new way. You don't have to live your life based on a lie anymore. You don't have to hide your phone when people call. That's a new, that's a new learned thing. Um, huh. And you might find that you still for a while sit at the table with someone. And when you see your phone ring, you take it and you turn it upside down because you're used to not having people see who's calling you. You're used to secrecy. You're used to like living a lie. And then suddenly there's this breathing moment. You're like, I don't have to live that anymore. It yeah. doesn't matter who's calling anymore. Everything's okay. Um, so any practice, any way of living moves through those progressions. It's new first, then it becomes more normal. And hopefully you get to this point where you, it becomes natural. Yeah. Um, so um, you, you actually at least if I remember correctly, what we talked about the daily on Sunday, you went into this passage in John and you sort of shifted the perspective of friendship a little bit. Yes. And I, I have some questions about that because I, I feel it. like even in our daily devotion meeting, there was a little bit of discomfort around some of the Hopefully. ideas there um, around this friendship. Cause I think we want this. We want to be pals with Jesus. Yeah. We, we want, want him be... to call us baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah so let's talk about that a little bit so this passage um let's see where do we start here um da, 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 where's the friendship there it is so in this text here just unpack for us a little bit yeah so so i actually started in john 5 we can stay in john 15 if you didn't listen to the sermon that's on our youtube channel too it's on our podcasts. You can go check that out. But broadly, I, I was trying to pitch this idea that Jesus comes and he has this huge message. It's really broad. It's like the kingdom is, of God is here. The world is going to change. And then he goes and heals individual people. I mean, even at the, this John 5 story, he, he there's hundreds of people there. Yeah. They're all sick. Uh, and he goes and heals one person. And I even wrote in my, like, like my notes, uh, dot, dot, dot. And Jesus left a hundred people lying by the pool, still sick. Gosh. Like there's such a weirdness to the story. Um, so, so it's like this talk big, work small, um, talk big, work small, big picture in theory. And then he's practically dotting into individual lives. And then he invites all his disciples to do the same. And so you're kind of suddenly into the working genius of it. You're like, Oh, that's the plan. It's not just you doing this. It's all of these people doing this. Yeah. Um, and so even when at the start of John chapter 15, this text we'll look at, he says, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, well, to a Jewish person in the first century, they're like, no, Israel is the vine. And Jesus kind of like retcons that for his new, his new community. He's like, no, you guys, you, my followers are the vine. And, and now like attachment to the vine isn't just by birth in Israel. It's by being attached to me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. You can't reject me and stay part of the vine. Is like his language, I would suspect. Yeah. Um, and little, little historical nerd moment. Herod's temple um, had a huge doorway with a vine around it. So some people think as he was walking past the temple on the way to the Mount of Olives, he was like, oh, see the vine? I'm the vine. You're the branches. Um, so delightfully little nerdy moment then. Huh. And then he inviting them into this, this thing he's doing, into this kingdom of uh, God thing. He says, I no longer call you slaves. Most of our versions say servants. But slaves is, is more accurate, I would suggest. I think it just uses the word doulos in that, which, which is slave. Huh. Um, so, so I no longer call you slaves. Everyone knew what a slave was. Different from our picture maybe of like early 18th century slavery in, in America. There was, you, you could be a slave and be a doctor. Um, a slave just meant that you, you, someone gave you a wage. Huh. Um, you weren't free though. You were tied to that person. I no longer call you slaves. Uh, I now call you friends. So, so here's the interesting thing. There's loads of people that write about friendship in the first century context. Yeah. Uh, the, the challenge is, and I'm going to suggest a, an option, which again, I'm, I, I'm just reading partly what others have, have written. It's not new to me. There's, there's lots of options for friendship. The one option that isn't in the first century world Friend never just means buddy or pal. That's just not in the language. So, so it doesn't talk about friendship in that way. Like that's just not part of the culture in the same way it is now. Relationships were tied deeply to family. Uh, wider family was brought into that, but you didn't go, you didn't go to coffee with a friend. You didn't, you didn't like say, let's go out for a beer. You had the people you worked with, they were usually family too. Like everything's much more attached in family units and all those different things. So our, our picture of Jesus saying, I no longer call you slaves, I now call you friends, automatically reverts to what we know now, which is, oh, I get coffee with this person and we don't live together, we don't work together, but we just like each other. So we just go out for coffee. Um, that just isn't part of first century culture. Um, so, so there's, there's options. Or if it was, it didn't have the same kind of a term. Yes. Like the term friendship meant something. Well, well yeah. And, and unfortunately friendship is so broad. Yeah. There's so many options for it. So, so, and, and really the key to that whole thing is, I think it's verse 14. Um, but if you, if you want to pull it up, we'll be able to say, specific. what is Yeah. You are my say? friends. Yeah. If you do what if I you command. If you do what I command. So, so my question for people on Sunday was who has a friendship that works on these terms. And actually the funny thing was a couple of people like pointed to the person next to them and nodded. Like I could see them in the thing. They were like, cause, cause I said like, who, who, who has a friend where we say, I'm moving house. You're going to help me. And if you don't, we're not friends. We're going to coffee, you're paying. And if you don't, we're not friends. Like that, that's just not a friendship that works. That's funny. So, so like automatically, as soon as we read that, it's just a, it, it's, it's not even a clue to, it's a requirement that we can't read it as just you and Jesus get to be pals instead of servants. Like in, if you've ever seen Downton Abbey, like there's like, there's, there's in any, in, in any old English country house, there would be the, the downstairs people, yeah, the servants and the upstairs people. Um, and, and in Downton, there's a moment where one of the, the downstairs people elopes with one of the upstairs people huh. and then they eventually come back but he's now part of the family but he has some like uncertainty about where he operates and all those different things but then eventually finds his place and and very much becomes part of that upstairs crew that's that tends to be how we read that but that's not necessarily like a great picture in some ways for exactly what's happening here because it has some of the tensions of the now pals but it does, but there is some stuff we can take from it because of the family unit there. Anyway, uh, 
so so you you got this tension of like we tend to read friend i tend to have historically read friend and yet it's not really a concept now now something that's also fascinating about um about the first century and and the way the by the world the bible is written in there's a couple of things that we read really naturally and you and i've talked about this just because we grew up in different cultures but you you yeah. even more so because you grew up in africa i i was still in europe which still has some of the western mindset yeah i understand the bible way better than you because yeah <laughs> i love it so, so so there's a couple of things that that writers would suge suggest we uh understand well in the bible we understand generosity like yeah. We read it and we, we get that because we're a generous nation. Culture, yeah. yeah. Um, we understand forgiveness um, because yeah. we, it's part of our, our way of being. There's three things that are really important that we actually think are bad. Um, huh. So kinship, like family, we call it nepotism. Yes. Um and, and there's a whole book that that um, I'm blanking up. Brent, I think it's Brendan O'Brien. Brian wrote a book called Misreading Jesus with um, Western Eyes, which talks about this if you want something else to read. So so kinship we call nepotism. So someone hires a, a family member and we're like, how can you do that? And, and the rest of the world is like, no, that's the first person you hire. Of yeah. course you hire other people like close yeah, to you. I think it was and on maybe, one of our episodes yeah, maybe, where we yeah. talked about why de democracy struggles yeah. in Africa. It's because nepotism was like an obvious thing absolutely like you yeah you'd be an evil person if you totally. didn't hire yeah. your family member so in the bible <laughs> well kinship good in the west nepotism bad and they're yes. really the same thing um mediation like being the go-between for yeah. another person like i'm gonna go to this person and i'm gonna like fix it but like don't make me the middleman like, why are you making me the middleman? I don't want to be the middleman. We don't even like a middleman when we buy stuff. We're like, I want to buy from the the, the guy that made it, because otherwise the middleman's going to charge extra. But in the in the the rest of the world, it's like, of course there's a middleman, and of course you send someone to go between two people. Sometimes, like, oh gosh, in West Africa, you'll have a middleman even if the person you're trying to talk to is in the room. Yeah. So like the way they do conflict resolution there is uh, like, for example, if you have a conflict with a neighbor, you're sitting around a large circle of people mm -hmm. having tea and you say out loud so that the entire circle can hear, I, uh, so-and-so's goats keep getting into the, into my pastures and eating, eating my stuff. What do you think I should do? And then they turn to their neighbor and say, so-and-so said that their neighbor's friends and the neighbor's sitting in the circle, but it allows him time to think and process. Yes. And then that person gets the the message eventually passed to him. And he says, well, maybe so-and-so should put their fence back up. Yes. And then it makes its way all the way back around. And then and they're like in the same room and they're using a go-between. But it go gives between. space to like, and it's not a direct, like it's not someone coming to you and saying, why are you doing this? It's a, like there's there's a separation that and the valued. intensity starts to fall yeah. and then as 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 the circle keeps going, eventually the the members and the thing start to offer some recommendations. Yes. In, so they, their job is to translate the message, uh -huh. but everyone hears it. Yeah. And then they say, well, um, well, maybe has he ever thought about doing this? Mm -hmm. And then eventually, like yeah. the older members of the circle start to offer their advice and their wisdom to the conversation, yeah. and then they, they just solve it in community. So mediation is just such a normal way of life for so much of the world. And, the, and then, and, and you see the Bible's fascinating because the writers will challenge that, at least in some areas, they'll say, we well, don't need a mediator between you and God. Yes. Jesus is the mediator between you and the Father. So if your understanding of mediation as part of everything has included like a man between you and God, that's been normal. Mm -hmm. It's now not true. So like this, fa that's fascinating. Uh, and then the third one is patronage, um, which is someone gifting something to you yeah. for the sake of, uh, out of generosity. Yeah. Um, so, so the story I told on Sunday is again, a story that, that came from um, Jesus in, in Middle Eastern eyes, which, which was through misreading Jesus through Western eyes. Um, which was, imagine your bread oven burns down and you have no way to fix it. You have no collateral because your collateral was your bread oven. 
Yeah. Um, and so you're kind of stuck. You can't, you, you could go dig ditches, you could go beg, but you don't want to do those things. And so I come to you and say, Aaron, I have a friend that can help you. Now, again, I don't mean a pal. I mean, I have a relationship that can help you. Let me introduce you to my friend who's probably done something for me before. Uh, and so we go off together and I say, this is my friend. Uh, uh, he needs, Aaron needs something from you. And you explain, I explain the situation and, and the friend says, or the, the, the patron says, oh, I can help you with that. I'll, I'll give you the money for a bread oven. You'll bake bread for me for a, a fair price. Um, and then you can also bake bread in your spare time. Um, but now as part of that, you're now part of my community of people, my broad, like almost like clan, I guess is the word. Yeah. Like a brilliant example of this, like abs and I didn't use it because it also has a massive negative is the Godfather. So in the Godfather, right at the start, um, Vito Corleone, uh, played by Marlon Brando is, is the Godfather, the Don, uh, and someone comes to him and says, uh, I have got this problem. I've been to the police. They won't help me. And the Godfather looks at me and says, so you always avoid me. Like never once have you invited me over for coffee. Uh, you know, even though my wife has known your wife for many years, she's Godfather, godmother to your children. Um, why didn't you come to me first with this problem? He says, the thing is you want to be American. You want to rely on the police. And now you realize the police can't help you. And now you come to me. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I did what I thought was right. Um, please forgive me. Um, and please help me fix this situation. And Don Corleone says, it's taken care of. Accept this as a gift. But one day I'll come to you and ask you for a favor. And that you must not refuse. So, yeah. so unfortunately, like that, it's a brilliant example because it comes from the same culture. This comes from a first century world of patronage, which is where all the mafia roots come from. But it also includes murder and, and all these other aspects, which I, I didn't want people to go away with like God as Don Corleone, as endearing a character as he actually is when you, you get to, through the movies. Um, like he's a guy that's fought for his family, that has these very strong principles, that, that has a lot of endearingness to him. But I didn't want that connection necessarily, yet it is a brilliant connection. Yeah, because later he does go to to Bonsera, the the undertaker, and says, "I need a favor," and he's like, "Of course." Um, so that culture is is so first century. Where what's fascinating is this: the thing that you did, the patron did for you, was called charis or grace, and the response that you made was pistis or faith. So like the language is wow. like, so when Paul says you have been saved by grace through faith, you kind of like, what? <laughs> That'll mess with your head. Yeah. yeah. And as Westerners, we're just like short circuiting here because we're like these, we, we associate a lot of these terms as negative. Yeah. These, these kinds of relationship dynamics is so negative. when Jesus says, now, now again, there's other options for friend, not pal, not buddy, but other options. But when Jesus says greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Well, friend was the term used by the patron, the, 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 um, protege for the patron and by, by the patron for the protege. So it was friend and friend. Yeah. And then there was, there's also this, uh, pre first century model of suzerainty and vassal, which was a national term. Uh, of co of covenant, yeah. So the suzerain divasal uh -huh. treaty or yeah. covenant, yeah, yeah, yeah. So even all the covenants of the Old Testament, like the covenant that God made with Abraham, yes. was a suzerain vassal yeah. covenant. So the Abrahamic covenant was yeah. a suzerain vassal covenant, and and same kind of concept, friend it's, and friend. But and this is what this is what the scriptures do beautifully, and is it it takes and it adopts these these very common cultural things and then just twist them ever so slightly uh -huh, totally, yeah. here and there. Yeah. And so like, if you're like squirming, you're like, I know I really like a th to think of God as friend. Uh -huh. Elsewhere, like in the book of Hebrews, he calls you brother, yeah, which is a familial language, yeah. which to us would be more like what we classically think totally. of as friend. Yeah, I, what, what I don't want this reading to or do is suggest that yeah. Jesus doesn't like you or want to be with you. But but those that relationship is far more comfortably landed in the language of kinship 
um, than it is in friendship or patronage. So there's all these things that Jesus says, yeah, now, now you're, you're, you're now a kin. And those were the people you spent most of the time with in a first century Jewish yeah, culture. Yeah, you know? I've adopted you as, uh-huh. as sons and daughters, co-heirs yeah. with Christ. So there's, it is, ha- but this text. But this text particularly, when it says, greater love as this, as no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. Well, imagine that patron, he may do many things for you. He may replace your bread oven, but he's but not going to die for you. So when Jesus says, greater love is this than the no man than this, then he lays down his life for his friends. It's like a patron that, that's willing to die for the person is unheard of. And that's exactly what happens in the Abrahamic Covenant. Yes. In the Susan Vassal Treaty, because this, this ritual that takes place there to seal this treaty is they, is they would cut apart an animal. Uh-huh. And they say, we're going to enter into this relationship, the suzerain or the, the larger nation or... Uh, king or whatever, the more significant one would say, well, if you do this, this, and this, I'll protect you and you'll kind of come under my wing of protection yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And But if you don't pay pay the taxes and you don't provide the different things that are part uh-huh. of this treaty, then you're going to, you know, you're going to suffer horribly. And so one of the ways they would do that is they would, they would actually cut an animal in two mm-hmm. and then you would the the vassal or the lesser party would walk through the cut apart animal. Yeah. And it was basically a declaration of saying, may this happen to me if I mm-hmm. break covenant and I yeah, don't yeah. pay taxes to the to the to the king um or to the suzerain. Well in the Abrahamic covenant, th- this happens. Abraham mm-hmm. it says, how do I know that this is going to happen? How do we how do I really know that we're in covenant, right? And so God sort of says, all right, I'm going to stoop down and use this very common terminology. There's this animal, they get cut apart, but then Abraham gets put into a deep sleep and God passes through. Wow. So yeah. the suit, like, so it's exactly it's, what you yeah. said. Chills. It's like, Ooh, I love it. And so he passes through instead of Abraham yeah. as if like, I know you're not going to hold up your end of the deal. Uh-huh. And the, the story of the rest of the Old Testament is... Israel does not hold up there in the no. deal over and over and over and over and over again. And constantly God comes in and he t- carries the weight of the covenant. And, 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 and like full nerd moment, if you get into, if you're someone who gets into like how the Bible was put together, uh, there's, there's different people Te- that like textual are, criticism. yeah, textual criticism, uh, redaction criticism, all these different things. Th- th- there are people that suggest that the earliest parts of the Bible has no human part to the covenant, no human responsibility to it. Like it is simply all God's way. He has done it. Nothing is required. Um, and that later on you see these additions of no, 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 but remember this and remember this. It's almost like God has to clarify, well, no, there's some natural responses to that that weren't written into the earliest parts because that's just like part of the language. It's part of the expectation and you're kind of missing it. So when you start to see parts of the Bible that are uh, a God reinforcing, I've done this, so you should do this. It it seems like it's a later reminder at times of like, no, no, you're missing some of the beauty of covenant. So, so to go back to this, the, the, the invite to friendship is yes. Incredibly in this world, the patron has, come down to the level level of dying for the 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 protégés um unheard of generosity now you're invited to be one who obeys his commands so in that patron system you would go each day with your friend and again we much slower culture like we can't imagine finding time for this but but in in the small village life of the day like you would stop by on your way to your fishing boat on the way to in our metaphor your your bakery um and you'd probably bring bread that you'd baked for the person anyway and you'd say is there anything i can do for you today um and a lot of the time the guy would say no no but you're part of but you're part of my you're part of my tribe you're part of my uh, clan And, and sometimes you would come and he would say yes i need you to do this for me i've got 20 relatives in from the village down the road. Like I need you to bake bread for everybody or whatever. Um, uh, And so the, the, the picture is that Jesus creates is we are a group of people whom the patron has died for. 
we get to come to him every day and say, what can I do for you today? Um, yeah. And I, so the, you're shifting it back to this idea of listening and hearing God's uh -huh. voice. It's that posture of God, what, what can I do for you today? But so often time, so much of our prayer is actually, we have this expectation that the Holy Spirit shows up to you, uh, to us and says, what can I do totally, for you yeah. today? <laughs> We're like lined up outside the patron's house with a list of stuff <laughs> for the patron that died for us, like, which is incredible. Now, the beautiful thing is like, like, again, to go back to the slightly dangerous Don Corleone metaphor yeah. is, um, uh, is what he says to this, to, to Bonacera, the undertaker is he says like, had you been willing to be my friend? had you been willing to receive patronage for me, then not only would this not have happened, this bad situation you're in, but if a man such as yourself should have made enemies, then they would have come, become my enemies uh, and then they would fear you. Um, so like in his metaphor, he's like, it's like a man who comes under my patronage has no need to worry, has no need to go without, has no need to worry about starving because he's part of my community of people. Um, and again, same culture, really. So, so as much as we come with constant requests, and again, think of Jesus' language, your father knows what you need before you, you speak it. Like in this culture, uh, no one who was a protege of the patron was allowed to starve. Um, yeah, so sometimes you show up with your bread and you <laughs> say, is there anything mm -hmm. that you need? Uh -huh. the, the patron might say, well, actually, I have another person in my network. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that needs bread. Yeah, or or we might say, can you deliver there? No, but I know that you've gone without because of this. Here's what's needed. Um, so, so yeah. like, I mean, the invite in is in, into a community, and again, so much not our reading because we're just so bad at community. So bad. So bad at community. I mean, like, it's and so you're trying to take a faith that is built completely on community and build it in a country that's completely built on individualism. Yeah. Um, and so, so what do we actually learn about prayer from this more so, explicitly? So I think, like, I, I, think I think a posture that begins with coming to God and, and with thankfulness, you're coming to a patron that has laid down his life for you, which requires everlasting thankfulness. There is no end to the thanking for this. It's, this isn't someone who's given a loaf of bread. This is a constant amazement and awareness of, of the exceptional gift that has been given. Um, and then in that moment, a posture that in silence simply says, begins with, God, is there anything you want me to do today? Um, because I'm part of your great community um, and I'm part of your kingdom. I want to bring all of my kingdom into your kingdom. Because that's what would happen. Like the patron would bring all of his family into that family as well. So, so it's not just you, it's your little circle of people. So, so when, when we read kingdom, again, hard concept, I think, for us in the, the West. A, a, good, a good wording that I've, I've found helps people is circle of influence. So it doesn't quite capture the kinship level of it and the, the close-knitness of it, but, but it's something we understand because we recognize we have circles of influence. Yes. Um, so, so that, like, that invitation um, is to bring all of your circle of influence into the patron circle of influence. Um, and, and so you say, I have these resources. How can I use them for you today? I have these relationships. How can I use them for you today? Um, yeah, I mean, so maybe an illustration of it is, would be like if you're trying to figure out which auto repair shop to go to, mm -hmm. you might go to a friend and say, yeah. hey, have you been somewhere that's good? Because I don't want to get ripped off uh -huh. and I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to be charged for a bunch of things that I don't actually need to know. So I'm going to go to a friend of mine who is a mechanic who knows this stuff better than me. Like I might go to Bill Wiseman and say, yeah. hey, do you know of a shop that I would go to? Because he's a handy guy. He knows this kind of stuff. And so if he gives me a recommendation, I'm going to go there with a different level of confidence. I mean, that's not nearly what we're talking about, but it's a, little, it's a bit, little piece. Yeah. It's a little now, piece. Now where yeah. it gets a little scary with Jesus model. And this is where I like, you're kind of like, oh man, Jesus. This is where you realize when Jesus says, um, if, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, 
that he really is saying something quite extraordinary. Um, b- because, again, in a kinship model, in a patronage model, if you had someone that was connected to you that didn't have a jacket and you had two, then it was super normal to give that person your jacket. Because why do you need two when someone who's part of your community only has, ha- doesn't have any? Like, again, community-based faith. Yeah. Um, when Jesus says, you do that for your enemy as well as for your friend, when you do that, you do that for someone who's outside the circle as well as inside the circle. Like that's another way in which the Bible speaks into, yeah. into a culture that knows what it is, knows what it values and says, I'm going to ask even more from you. So just like he, it tweaks or retcons the idea of mediator, it also starts to re- retcon the idea of patronage because not only does this patron die, uh, patron die, but, but it, there's also this like the things that you might do for people in the circle, do those for people outside the circle as well. So you can see why in the first century people are listening and be like, Jesus, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. We don't do those things for outsiders. We do those things for insiders. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so when he, when this, he says, this is the beauty of these things is like God, God is kind to, to use cultural uh-huh. elements to communicate and translate ideas, but then he messes with them so, so in when, the most yeah. beautiful, kind yeah. way. So when we hear, again, think about our framework, we understand generosity um, and selfishness. So we're like generosity, good, selfishness, bad. When Jesus says, do not even the sinners do that? Our Western mind starts to say, uh, no, they don't. Because we think of them in the selfish group. They keep everything to themselves. Yeah. Jesus is like, no, no, no. Like, everybody does this. Nobody doesn't do this in our culture. Like, it's universal whether you're a good person or a bad person. We all do this. Like, you're a freak if you don't do this in this culture. You you take care of the people in the circle. Um now go and do it for those outside the circle. Like, again, like, just think about that from a first century culture. Yeah, the so, closest we can get is, like, you might have that feeling about your immediate family yes. only. Yeah. And and by that, I mean not even extended family. No. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. immediate, like, my kids, yes. my wife. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, like, just like you wouldn't, like, walk down the street with your kids or your wife and they're freezing cold. Um, and you wouldn't think about how you split the clothing to make sure everyone has enough. Um, yes. Like that, that, that maybe just starts to get us a little bit into the thing. But, yeah, and then... But it's really hard for us. It is, yeah. Oh, man, uh, the, the hard part is I, there are so many connections to like uh, African culture. Oh, I bet, yeah. I mean, we, so I had a team in West Africa and... Uh, there was this big win moment for one of the team members. They went there, it was a leadership development program for young adults, and um, they were there for two years. But there was this huge breakthrough for one of the youngest guys on the team. He was probably just 19 or 20. Um, and he loved repairing bikes. And so one of the things he did while he was there is he fixed up the fleet of bikes for all the students on the team. He, you know, participated in different things like that. And then, but he kept having this difficulty finding bike parts specifically for what he needed. And he'd go to the marketplace and then he kind of kept getting this push around. He couldn't find the bike parts. And I don't know all, I don't know all the details, but it kind of became this place where one of his acquaintances that he had built friendship with said, Hey, let me introduce you to the guy. Hmm? And so he goes to the same marketplace he's been going to, and then they go down below street level to an underground bike market. And then he introduces him to the guy who basically owns the underground bike industry in this, in this place and um, introduces him to my, to my buddy. Uh, and, and the guy's like, okay, I kind of that same sort of feeling. Yes. I'm going to bring you into the fold. This Westerner because mm-hmm. he'd started to learn the language and mm-hmm. stuff. And he says, okay, fine. None of the other Westerners at that point had established a relationship like this, but because he was working on the language and he had he had this humility to show up and ask and all this stuff. And so from then on, he had no problems finding parts. He'd just go straight to the b- beeline to the guy 
um, the sort of kingpin of the underground bike market and say, I need this part. And the guy would just be like, boom. And every shop in the entire market would shut down until they found that part. That's incredible. He just yeah. one word. He just, he owned the whole thing. And uh, it was this huge relational breakthrough for this 19 year old who basically had access to the guy. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. But then it also allowed him access to um, a whole separate set of industry for mm -hmm. for all of his shops. Now, where does the where does the white guy go? Yeah, to to repair this huge fleet of bikes, you come to me. Yeah, totally. So, super so there's a reciprocalness to to it that's just built in to that culture, but probably isn't built in to us. It's still got remnants uh, in different places. There's actually a great little moment in the the TV show Modern Family. Where, where Gloria's Colombian in background and, and she has a son with her ex-Colombian husband who's this very charismatic guy, Benjamin Bratt plays him and he comes in and he's like the life and soul of the party, but he disappears whenever he wants to disappear, very rarely around. And, and so Manny has his legendary birth father and then his stable everyday stepfather. Um, and, and he comes in and, and, and the, the stepfather doesn't like this character because again he drops in and out whenever he wants but this guy turns up and he says like oh you like bikes huh you like motorbikes and uh he's like yeah yeah but i'm not allowed one he's like oh and so the next day he turns up with two bikes on the back of the trailer and the two of them go off cruising around like california and stuff like that and uh, and then jay talks about how the the stepfather says oh yeah i used to play baseball N never never able to hit a curveball he's like oh okay so that day they go out and they they go to one of the local major league ballparks and they walk in it's empty and the floodlights all go Poof, and they turn on and he hands him a baseball bat and they go out and they throw pitches to each other in like this huge baseball field and he comes home raving to glory about the husband or the ex-husband now and she's like oh he got you just like he got everyone else because now you're one of the guys he knows who owes him a favor just like there was a guy who owed him a favor that got him into the baseball park just like there was a guy who owed him a favor that gave him the bikes to borrow now one day he'll come to you and he'll be like you owe me a favor yeah. And so you, st you still see remnants of all this culture in all these different places. Yeah. But the health of this, this Jesus way of being is, is being part of a community that you can rely on. Belonging to a patron, or not belonging, but being connected to a patron who has done incredible things for you, has laid down his life for you. Uh, and to sort of finish where we started, from whom you really just receive constant affirmation. No, you're part of this thing. You are loved. You, you, you belong here. Um, but who occasionally might say to you, this is what I have for you to do today. And, and that isn't a works thing. That isn't a earning salvation thing. That's simply what it is to be part of the family of the king and to bring your yeah. resources and share them with, uh, with the people in his community. So the peop the I think the thing that makes people uncomfortable is this that they want that just the grace, just give me the grace mm -hmm. and the and the the affirmation, the forgiveness and stuff. And but then it feels kind of self serving for God to be a patron. Um and I think the piece that we have to just acknowledge is that uh yeah, that could be depending on the patron. Which is why um, one of the reasons why the incarnation exists, one of the reasons why Jesus came to humanity, lived the life that he lived and died the death that he died was to validate and confirm the goodness mm -hmm. of this patron yeah, yeah. and to demonstrate, which is why Paul, Paul writes in Romans, you know, that, you know, scarcely for... Mm -hmm. um, a good man will someone die, yeah. totally. And so he says, yeah. but... I, I, you were enemies and uh -huh. I chased you and all this stuff. Yeah. And this is the beauty of the patron that we serve. And that, yes, there, it does take eventually this place where you're like, all right, I give up. I surrender and trust that your patronage is better than the totally. alternative. Yeah. And, and still, still what a Western question feels kind of self-serving. Like that's just not uh, like, I mean, it's like, it just wouldn't compute anywhere else, I don't think, in the same way. Um, like building community, building a family of people, I don't think it would, it would be seen as self-serving anywhere else. 
like bringing people into that good family by laying down something for them. Like to us, we read that and we're like, oh, that seems kind of self-serving, but I'm just not sure that would be a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could, we've already been going almost an hour and we could open a whole can of worms on um, the patriarchy. Uh-huh. Um, like first century, pre-first century, early Hebrew patriarchy mm. and the the firstborn getting a double portion, all of this was designed so that they could have good, healthy, mm-hmm. generous patronage mm-hmm. and caring for these other things. So uh, patriarchy can be horrible unless it's not. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> we, we, we did have questions. I'm we not did. sure. Do we have time? Well, I think you can address this question relatively quickly. Um, it's just one question. So it says, do you think Jesus chose to come for the individual not the and not the masses in response to the speaking big but work small? Yeah, and, and, and it, I mean, so some of the answer I guess I would give uh, is colored by all that we've talked about to a degree. Totally. Because, again, like pretty Western question, like individual versus community. For for the Western, for the Eastern world, or for the for the rest of the world, well, what you did for an individual in the community made the community better. Like you, you you were you were working in amongst both. Yes. So so it's not really the same thinking. Even like how the West, the Eastern world, like you see this in the Eastern Orthodox Church, how they talk about sin is 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 not like the best illustration for how they talk about sin. And we'll talk about this a little bit during Lent. Uh, nice segue to, to Lent is, is like air pollution. Like your sin contributes to the whole. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. Yes. There's a guilt thing that's going on. Yes. There's an individual culpability, but, but the, the, the worst part of it is that it, 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 it pollutes it, the atmosphere. Yeah. 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 So we even, we just got back from staff retreat and we were talking like as a team anxiety, about yeah. leadership anxiety and how anxiety is contagious. Uh-huh. And we're not talking about clinical anxiety, any of these things. It's just more that like, uh, we, we don't have time to get in all the details of it, but our, our relationship systems in our job places, in our home lives, mm-hmm. our personal fears, doubts, internal voices and stuff, they are not just ours. Mm-hmm. And this is like psychologically proven that yeah. the, your personal anxiety is contagious. If you walk into the room and you're anxious, you will change the totally. energy and of the room. How many times have we been in a meeting where one person's like in a funk and we're like, yep, we all know. Yep. Uh, and the the way like... Uh, and vice versa, true. Your joy is also contagious. My my husband, my my husband, uh, my my wow, wife, okay. that's a revelation. We have a whole like, yeah, other yeah. conversation. <laughs> my 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 sister and her husband they, uh, have okay. talked about how like they have four kids. They'll go yeah. driving in a car somewhere, and um, my sister is like she's she and I are very similar. So in their family, she's the fun parent. Now actually, that's shifted maybe a little bit more Tinker. recently, but but like she she is like yeah very she's like a female version of me in lots of ways. Um, and, and there was a time where her husband, if she was in a in a bad mood, he would he would look at her and say, "You know, if you stay like this, no one's gonna have fun. It's not just me. You might be mad at me, but you know, like this is gonna affect everybody because yeah. everybody knows. So you have to decide, like, now are you? And 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 what she said is, after a while, he just learned to like ignore her, and he became the fun." parent and like she almost would feel left out and want to get back into what was going on but but that we see that in family units we see it in work life like your way of showing up affects the whole and so when jesus comes he seems to recognize no there are individuals you matter as an individual um and yet you are also part of this corporate world and so an individual who's healthier um is going to make the whole healthier too. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. And we'll see this when we talk in our relationship series post Easter as well. Like you can't have a healthy relationship if you don't turn up to it healthy. Like no relationship will make you healthy um, unless you're healthy in your core, um, which is yeah. fascinating too. So the so. answer is he saves both. Yeah. He came to redeem both you as an individual and he knows your name and all those things, uh-huh. but also 
in by proxy, then that that starts to heal a larger community, which mm -hmm. starts to heal a city, which starts to heal the world. Yeah. So, so G, like like we think of infection as a negative thing. Think, just take the idea, the model of infection, and flip it and make it positive, and that's essentially how Jesus seems to see the kingdom working. Like it may infect one person, but that one person's going to infect ten others. Um, and that's, that's how the world changes. Through relationship and patronage uh -huh, networks. Totally, yeah. So there we go. All right. We went... We got to get out of here. 59 minutes. We cut it off before it was two, six, 60 perfectly. Before we have so, to that we talked for an hour. Yes, we, we love y'all. And um, thanks for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, all the things. Or don't, because we're not really good at pressing that. <laughs> Well, it helps our patronage network grow. Absolutely. Helps. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, okay. I need to figure out how to turn this off now because I don't have the right page pulled up. Bye, guys. Bye slash watch me load and log into an account. And I'm so usually so much more prepared than this, but there we go. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.